0: Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Aaron O'Toole says his party is willing to work with the government on a vaccine plan. There's no plan in place and we have to safeguard the health and economic well-being of Canadians. I'd like to see more leadership. We have recommended many things over many months and we'll work with them in any way we can to secure those vaccines. How will Canada deal with the Buy American focus from the new U.S. administration?
1: Buy America protectionist provisions are not new for our government. They are something that
0: we are used to dealing with. One thing that I would say
1: is on these measures, the devil is very often in the detail.
0: And MPs unanimously pass a motion calling on the government to address the proliferation of white supremacist and hate groups. Mr. Speaker, we've consulted with the other parties and sincerely hope that if you seek it, you will find unanimous consent for the following motion, that the House call upon the government to use all available tools to address the proliferation of white supremacists and hate groups, starting with the immediate designating
2: Proud Boys as a terrorist entity.
0: It's Tuesday, January 26th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacorte, columnist for the Toronto Star. Susan, thank you for joining us today.
1: Thanks, Mark, and happy back-to-Parliament week for everyone. (laughs) Yes,
0: and Parliament (laughs) has only been back for one day, and there's already so much to talk about. Um, And let's start with vaccines. Lots of questions yesterday, obviously, for the government on the timetable for vaccines, given that there's been a slowdown in production and distribution in Canada, and there are questions arising about whether or not the government will be able to meet the Prime Minister's timetable of having everybody who wants a vaccine vaccinated by September.
1: Yeah, I was really, really struck by how, many, how much the questioning in the House of Commons on the first day back was about the vaccines. It speaks to these MPs have all been, or maybe some of them are still, in their writings where this reflects what has got to be the talk all over Canada is, when is this pandemic going to end? When am I going to get my vaccine? And if I haven't got it on time... Who am I going to blame for that? And that was the conversation very much in the House of Commons yesterday um, and probably will be for the week. The accusation from the opposition to the government is that that Justin Trudeau's team, while buying up all the vaccine in the world, it seemed at one point um, way more than Canada actually needs, hasn't actually got it here right now. The government is saying that the delay is, and they are speaking the truth, is um, Pfizer has shut down operations to expand operations, and so this is a hiccup in the production process. But the hiccup has occurred precisely when the House of Commons is resuming, when provinces are saying, hey, we're running out of vaccines here, and the hope was that, that the most vulnerable cases would be done you know, within the next few weeks. Everybody, uh, uh, Pfizer, the government, uh, doctors, the people who are managing this distribution system says say that everything's going to be caught up by March. But, but this is going to be an ugly few weeks, and it is reflecting itself in politics, too.
0: Yeah, and I wonder how much patience Canadians will have. Uh, initially, of course, there was some patience because... Some people were getting vaccinated. We we hit the milestone of the first vaccination around the same time as other countries like the United States and the United Kingdom, but obviously we're we're not getting Canadians are not getting as many vaccines and they're not getting as vaccinated as quickly as people in other countries. And I wonder how long it'll be before Canadians uh, get frustrated about that.
1: I yeah, we are watching the news all over the world. Israel is is uh, is on some kind of. Uh, is probably leading the pack with getting things uh, done. And there's some suggestion that is because uh, the Israeli government was particularly forceful with Pfizer. And it, you you saw in the House of Commons yesterday and, and the, from the opposition, from Aaron O'Toole, the Conservative leader, saying, if Justin Trudeau had been doing his job, if he wasn't such a weakling, and that, that kept coming up, uh, Pfizer wouldn't have delayed these vaccines. I'm not sure that's true, but um, but you're right. This, Canadians are watching. The snowbirds are getting vaccinated down when they go down to the United States. That that things are proceeding apace, and we are just unfortunately in a standstill right now.
0: All right, let's turn to a motion that passed unanimously in the House of Commons yesterday to declare the Proud Boys a terrorist entity. Uh, this this was a bit of a surprise, I think, uh, that, it, that it came up and was dealt with so quickly. Uh, what did you think about that?
1: That was a direct legacy of what happened January 6th in the United States. We saw Canadians were, politicians were really rattled by those events, and I'd been wondering how this was going to play out when Parliament resumed, whether it was going to have a tone change, whether people were going to be... Um, all political parties were going to be a little more uh, zero-tolerant with intolerance, and we we are seeing traces of that all over politics. Yesterday, I wouldn't say that it was a huge tone change in in politics in in Ottawa yesterday, but it definitely the Proud Boys uh, designation as a terrorist entity is a legacy of January 6. So too was the Conservatives' expulsion of Derek Sloan last week. And while Lynn Bayek, that uh, horribly controversial senator who um, was sort of an unrepentant racist when it came to Indigenous affairs, uh, Lynn Bayek uh, announced yesterday, kind of surprisingly, that she was leaving. No one kicked her out, but it did speak to the same mentality, which is, you know what, the United States is cleaning house down there, uh, getting some of the toxicity out of its politics and anybody who is going to sort of spread that toxic politics is going to go we also saw the liberals kick out an mp yesterday out of caucus uh mr sanga from brampton center he uh he had been circulating what the liberals uh described as conspiracy theories and dangerous rhetoric and uh, the press release for sanga said the last line was we know where this can lead and that, of course, is a reference to mm. to January sixth in the Capitol. So we are seeing uh, that that what's been going on in the United States, the remarkable events since the beginning of January, are spilling over here into Canada in interesting ways. And I don't think that stops.
0: All right. Let's talk about uh, Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland's comments yesterday about Buy America, the, the uh, uh, strategy signed uh, in an executive order brought in by an executive order by new U.S. President Joe Biden yesterday. Um, there, uh, she said that the federal government knows how to deal with American protectionism. What do you think she meant by that?
1: Well, Christopher Freeland was going around. She's been, I, I don't know if anybody's noticed, but she hasn't been much around the last month or so. Uh, she has a new job now as finance minister as well as deputy prime minister. But she was telling everybody at her press conference, Happy New Year. But really what it is is Groundhog Day for her. That said uh, she was the lead minister during all of those trade negotiations under the Trump era. And while Joe Biden is a friendlier uh, president, nominally on paper to Canada, the protectionism that is in the United States is not a Republican or Trump creation. And Joe Biden has to answer it. And Canada has has done a lot of work on this to combat Donald Trump's threats to Canada, nom- especially in the, uh, the NAFTA negotiations. So Canada is back to the drawing board on that making the case to the United States that Canadian um, materials, products, services are a vital part of the American supply chain. And if Joe Biden is going to rebuild, that Canada has got to do that in partnership. When, When the President and the Prime Minister spoke on Friday, Trudeau came away from that with some assurances, limited assurances, that Canada would at least get a hearing in this. So that's what it's this the same old gang that had to negotiate with Donald Trump's uh, America is going to be negotiating with Joe Biden's America.
0: Mm. Yeah. All right. Very quickly as we wrap up, Susan, uh, Christy Freeland was also asked about Julie Payette, and I don't think there's there's anyone who uh, expects that her pension uh, can be uh, taken away from her despite her resignation and the allegations of a toxic workplace at Rideau Hall. Uh, that seems set in stone, but there are questions about the expense accounts that are normally extended to former Governors-General, and there, were some, uh, there was some controversy around that related to the amount of expenditures that former Governor-General Adrian Clarkson had charged right. the government. Um, so there are questions about whether Julie Payette will have access to this, and, and Freeland said that's under careful consideration. So do you think there's a chance that could be limited in Payette's case?
1: I would say most definitely they are. The The governor general is expected to do a lot after they be, after their are governor general. So around the country, talk to students. You see David Johnson doing that too, and the other former GGs. I don't think Julie Payette is going to be a former governor general like the others. She certainly wasn't a governor general like the others. <clears throat> she didn't do as much. She was... Uh, very private, almost to the point of um, being uh, reluctant to go and go into crowds. So I I doubt that she's going to get the same considerations. I don't know how they're going to do that, but I would expect that you are not going to see Julie Payette enjoying the same sort of privileges in retirement as other governors Mm. general.
0: All right. Susan, great to have your insights on all of this. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thanks, Mark.
0: That's Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star.
1: Uh, I think the Prime Minister should certainly apologize. Uh, a number
0: of things happened here. One, there, there seems to be clear concerns around the vetting process. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Globe and Mail, Mike Van Solen considers how Justin Trudeau can recover from the Governor-General scandal. Van Solen writes, An apology may help the government get past this episode, but only by having its leader agree to take the blame. The worst-case scenario is the Prime Minister apologizes, accepts a measure of guilt, and the public doesn't move on. The most effective solution would be for the government to put forward a nominee for Governor-General who is universally loved, one whom the opposition would feel compelled to endorse. With that, the outrage about Julie Payette may dissipate. At globalnews.ca, Thomas Klassen argues Julie Payette's resignation is an opportunity to transform the role of Canada's Governor-General. Klassen writes, While some may argue that the position should be eliminated, a reimagined, non-colonial Governor-General could play an important role for Canadians. Establishing a unique Canadian head of state that is not the office of the British monarch is a step that all governments across the country could take to foster reconciliation. It would be a bold gesture to acknowledge the need to move on from Canada's colonial legacy. In the Ottawa Citizen, Eugene Lang considers the lessons from the Julie Payette affair. Lang writes, Choosing a Governor General is not among the most difficult tasks of a Prime Minister. It seems clear enough that Julie Payette doesn't have the core attributes needed to be successful in the role. This should have been well known to the government in advance of her appointment. If due diligence was carried out... One must also conclude that those doing the vetting are incompetent. There is one positive byproduct of Payette's resignation proof that even the highest authority in Canada can be held accountable by subordinates. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda MPs in the House of Commons will be sitting late again for the second emergency debate in as many nights. As CPAC's Martin Stringer reports, they'll be focusing on the government's rollout
2: plan for COVID-19 vaccine distribution. Mark, the emergency debate was granted by Speaker Anthony Rota yesterday. MPs will focus on the government's track record in procuring, approving, regulating and distributing COVID-19 vaccines to Canadians. Perhaps the hottest issue for most Canadians as we speak. The debate will start after the House's regular proceedings, probably just after 6.30 Eastern Time. It'll be interesting to see which ministers take part in the debate. One would expect that the chief or lead minister fielding questions will be the minister responsible for procurement, Anita Anand. She's at the centre of the purchase of the government's two approved vaccines and the government's dealings with Pfizer, Moderna and the other companies involved in our massive purchases of vaccines. Some questions may be fielded also by Intergovernmental Affairs Minister Dominique Leblanc, who is responsible for the government's dealings with the provinces. And there may be questions to Health Minister Paddy Haidú. It remains to be seen if the Prime Minister might take part in tonight's debate. You can expect the opposition parties to be extremely critical of the government's approach, especially given the recent announced delays in the delivery of Pfizer vaccine as the company retools its European operations. Now, in addition to questions about the amounts and the schedule of vaccines being delivered to Canadians, there may also be questions about the approval process and whether or not Canada should by now have approved more than the two vaccines, Pfizer and Moderna. So, Mark, it will be an intense and important debate tonight in the House of Commons.
0: Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will hold a news conference at Rideau Cottage to speak about the COVID-19 situation, Later, he'll speak with the U.S. Special Presidential Envoy for Climate, John Kerry. And Treasury Board President Jean-Yves Duclos will take part in a news conference to announce Canada economic development support in Quebec. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, January 26th. Tune in to CPAC throughout the day today for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great
1: day.